0: Thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our special guest speaker encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm grateful to be here today. And if you have a Bible, grab it out. And I want to talk to you today. We're talking about forgiveness this morning, but the topic, the title of the sermon is The Offended Takes the Initiative. So I want to talk to you this morning about what it is to be offended and what it means as a Christian to take initiative in those scenarios. In 1 John uh, 1 verse 8 and 2 Corinthians 5.19, reading this morning out of the message translation, and, uh, and it's just great to be here. I went to um, my son Ryder, he's 11, so 11, 9, 4, and 2 are my kids' ages, Ryder, Mika, Hugo, and Jovi, and it was Ryder's very first NBA game last night. That we went to. A great victory for the Raptors. They were leading by 18 points at one stage. And they were, they were the scores became level, I think with about two minutes, oh, maybe maybe 40 seconds to go and Pascal Siakam iced it at the line and then the Nets couldn't get it over the hump. So, so it was a, we had a great night last night. And I think that means for a good day in church. <laughs> it says this, if we claim that we are free of sin, we're only fooling ourselves. A claim like that is errant nonsense. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, uh, make a clean breast of them, he won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says this, All of this comes from God, who settled the relationship between us and him, and then called us to settle our relationships with one another. That one more time, because it's a little bit more challenging. All this comes from God, who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with one another. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we are forgiven. Amen. We thank you that you are with us, that you do not, as this worship leader said this morning, you never leave us, you never forsake us, that you are with us always. But God, you ask us to take it a step further. You ask us to forgive one another. And Father, we're grateful that we're forgiven and we're grateful that we can then forgive Father, we're praying that you'd speak to us this morning in this place we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. When I moved to Canada, we felt very clearly that God called us here, and we moved to Canada. Of all the places we moved to, we moved to Ottawa. We felt like God called us there. I don't know why He didn't call me here. <laughs> Toronto is, a, this is Toronto's probably better. And so we moved to, moved to Ottawa and had no friends, and so we went about finding friends. And so we found some friends, and then that was excellent. And one of the group of friends that we found um, are connected to Justin Timberlake's personal bodyguard when he travels. He's also the personal bodyguard for um, the Backstreet Boys. And so we, we get tickets to Justin Tim Blake, who was, who was coming through Ottawa at the Canadian Tire Centre, and uh, we had 300 level tickets. I don't know if you've ever been to Scotiabank Arena or theatres like that. You, you, know, you get 300 level tickets, nosebleeds, and then they move, then, you, know, you move further and further down right towards the action. We had tickets Basically outside. It was so far. (laughs) And I'm I'm walking around the concourse outside before the Justin Timberlake concert with Nadia and two of our friends. And I bump into my friends, who I know know Justin Timberlake's bodyguard. I didn't think much of it at the time. And they were like, you know when your friend has something that they want to tell you and they're really giddy on the inside. It's like they've got a surprise for you, but they're kind of trying to play it cool. And so they're like, hey man, how's it going? You know, and they're like, (laughs) It's kind of like they need to go to the toilet. You know what I mean? Like they just, I was like, hey, hey, what's up? And they're like, so um, do you guys want to come with us tonight? And we're like, yeah, of course. You know, what are you, what are you thinking? And they're like, oh, we've got you. And they took these lanyards off their neck and gave one to each of us. And they said, we've got you VIP seating. And so we're like, oh, wow. Like really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we've got, we had four spaces available. And so we then walked from the 300 level concourse to the 200 level to the 100 level, through the tensor barriers to get to the ground floor. Through the ground floor, through another set of tensor barriers, then another physical barrier to the point where we are touching the stage. I didn't do this, but people who I was with did this, touched Justin Timberlake's feet. (laughs) I found the whole thing a bit strange. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to try and touch another man's feet, you know? And we, we, were, we had the best night. And, and to think that I, was, I, had, I had gone from a place which I would barely have been able to see anything. I would have been watching on the screen to the point where we were, we were right, right in front of this man who'd come through the city to perform. I tell you this, this illustration this morning in this story, that was only about, it's only about 18 months old. Because none of this would have been possible had I not accepted the invitation. These days, people... Um, I Like Facebook, it grinds my gears. It grinds my gears, if I could be honest with you. Because people think that an invite on Facebook is an invite enough. I'm telling you, friends, I'm old-fashioned. It's not enough. I need, I need something in writing. I want you to send me a calendar that I can put on my window. You know what I'm saying? A fridge magnet. I need some, I need some notifications, some reminders that when I'm invited, that, that it takes, as they say, it takes two to tango. If I was given the lanyard but didn't accept the invitation, I never would have got up close and personal with Justin Timberlake that night. You and I, when it comes to our relationship with God, dare I say this this morning, it's very hard, very hard to get to hell. It's very difficult. We, we make it easy, but it's very hard. To get to hell, to live an eternity outside of relationship with God, we have to deny His daily and eternal invitation. That Jesus came and died on a cross and God went about a redemptive journey of mankind to invite us into relationship with Him. For me to deny that invitation every day is the only way that I live outside of relationship with Him. That He's the one who said, come down from the 300 level. Come close. Walk with me. Be intimate with me. As a teenager, I had never been to church. I'd was never invited to church never grew up going to church Sunday school i love when you when you let the uh, the junior high kids go just to think like that they're leaving no i'm just kidding just to think that they to think that there's a there's a church that has space for every age and every creed and every race the fact that god brought us near i'd never heard of the gospel i'd never heard of jesus and when I was 12 years old, I moved next door to a family. They had four boys. My, my, my mom and dad had five boys. So the nine boys caused ruckus in the neighborhood. They were, they were Christians and we were not. And the middle son, his name is Matt. He said, hey, would you, um, would you come to youth group with me tonight? And so I came along, heard about Jesus for the first time. It sounded right to me. It settled well with me. I said, yeah, I need Jesus in my life. And people would begin to, I would begin to share and they would begin to ask me questions and, you have phrases like, um, you've found Jesus. And sometimes with a little hint of cynicism. Oh, you found Jesus. And I would say, yes, 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 I have. i found him. But I don't think that's accurate. I don't think i found him. I think he found me. The Bible says that he leaves the 99 to go after the one. Well, it was Ryder's first NBA game last night. And, we'll, and after the game, you know, there's tens of thousands of people at the arena. Subway afterwards, people catching Ubers walking, and Riders right 11, he's, he's a tall, slim young man with bright blonde hair, with a bright yellow jacket, hard to miss. But Tyler couldn't help but ask, have you ever lost one of your kids? Who, <laughs> hey, by the way, I didn't realise could, um, could, could play the guitar and sing. What a talented young man this is right here. What a blessing he is to the church. <clears throat> I thought he just told jokes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes, I have lost and, and, and before I could answer, before I could answer, didn't he? he said, Ryder, right, he said, yes, he's lost me a number of times. <laughs> he said, this one time, Tyler, dad lost me in a, in a city in New Zealand called Rotorua. Rotorua is the tourism capital of New Zealand. The, one of the main features of the city is the lake. But the lake, for some reason, where, the, where the, the, the fear or the carnival gathers, doesn't have a fence next to the lake. And we'd lost Ryder at that carnival. He's about the age of three or four years old. And, uh, you know, you kind of, you're gonna, you get, I'm not one of those parents that wants to put a leash on my kid, but I want them to be close enough as though there was a leash on them, you know? But you kind of keep them within earshot and, and within eye distance. And then all of a sudden he was outside of that space and it took us 10 to 15 minutes to find him. Every minute anxiety increases, stress levels grow. And then I realized the lake had no fence. So I ran towards the water, and there's nothing like being a parent, looking over the edge to see if your child is there floating in the water. I'm looking around for 10, 15 minutes. I would have done anything to find my son. If I had had 100 kids, I would have left the 99 to find the one. That day it would so have it that there was an empty parking space right next to the carnival that had money in the parking meter. And of all the people that would park in the parking space was our opia, our live-in nanny from Wellington who was on holiday vacation with her friend, parked in the parking space with money in the meter and walked into the carnival and the first thing that she saw was Ryder trying to hustle some donuts. (laughs) God left the 99 to find you and to find me. Colossians 1 verse 19 says this, For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile Himself to Himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once we were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. He was pleased to make peace with us. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God has reconciled Himself to us. If God reconciling Himself to us is the good news, then God reconciling us to one another, friends, is the hard news. Jesus goes to great lengths to teach us a new way of living. Matthew 5 verse 38 in the message says this, Here's another old saying that deserves a second look. I love that. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Is that going to get us anywhere? Here's what I propose. Don't hit back at all. If someone strikes you, stand there and take it. If someone drags you into court and sues you for the shirt on your back, gift wrap your best coat, Canada Goose, (laughs) and make a prison out of it. And if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously that God wants to teach us a new way of living. And God's way is that the offended takes the initiative. We should be known for initiative, kindness, love, forgiveness, empathy, patience, and generosity. I wonder, I do wonder, if that day in the Garden of Eden, if God had found repentance, what difference that might have made. I wonder if that day in the Garden of Eden, if God had found responsibility, what difference that might have made. Have you ever walked in? I get this all the time. Walk into the kitchen and it's a mess. Walk into the lounge, it's a mess. 11, nine, four, and two. These four gremlins are designed to make a mess in my house. And I walk in and the first question I'm asking is, who did this? I mean, the answer is clear. It was one or some or all of the four of you because I clearly wasn't in the room at the time, and Nadia is very clean. <laughs> who did this? Who made this mess? And then it's amazing, isn't it? What happens next? Every arm gets waved around the room, pointing, blaming. I wasn't here, I just walked, and I just found it, it's crazy. It must have been the leprechauns who live in the fridge. It's amazing what happens. And picture God walking into the Garden of Eden. He's walked in, he's he's got Adam and Eve. He's got the apple. He's got the serpent. And he walks in and he asks that same question that we ask. Wow. Who made this mess? Who told you that you were naked? Why are you hiding? We used to be intimate. Why why have you estranged yourself from me? What's what's going on here? And if only, I, I mean, I think about Adam. I think when we get to heaven... We get one free punch, you know? <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> Love you, man. Thank you. Great stuff. That if only Adam had gone. You know what? Hey, it's on me. It's on me. This is this is my family and I made I made an error of judgment. And I wasn't clear enough with Eve about what you'd said to me. And I should, that should have been something I wrote down and spoke with her every single day. And we should have been in this together. But, but, I, but I left her alone for a minute. And then, and then this guy, ooh, little snake, ooh, I'll get you. God, it's not me. Please, leave her alone. If he, had, if he had taken a bullet for his wife, I wonder if God had gone, Adam, that's my guy. We're good. We're straight. I'll help you clean it up. But instead, you have the exact opposite that takes place. Who made this mess? Adam's like, okay. It was the woman. But the gall of the man didn't stop there. Because that's enough. That's enough to sleep on the couch for the rest of your life. It was the woman that what? That you gave me? So now, now Adam is now wedging himself between Eve and God. I don't know if he's gonna win a fight with his wife, let alone a fight against God as well. He's clearly in the minority. And then she says it was the serpent. And God's there scratching his head. And you know what's amazing? Is God who in this scenario, and play out this illustration with me, who was the one who was affected. He was the one who was the victim. He was, I'm not saying God is a victim or I'm not saying that God is hurt. But in that scenario, he was the one who was hurt, the one who was transgressed against, and yet he was the one who took the initiative. And so from that moment onwards, he took steps to redeem humanity from that moment where all they needed was some responsibility, some initiative, some gumption from Adam to step in and take a bullet for his wife. And because they didn't, God took it for himself. And so he was journeying right the way through Noah, Abraham, and Moses, right the way through the Old Testament, the redemptive journey of humanity until Jesus. He, from that day, friends, the offended takes the initiative. In our family, I try and teach our kids as best I can. I try and do the best I can. But one of the phrases we have that we use on a regular basis is a phrase it's easy to say sorry. And Hugo's four. He's, he's, oh, he's the best. Isn't he the best? We had dinner last night. He's just like this gnarly little kid. Lego everywhere. We went out last night for dinner. He took a, you know those vortex footballs? He's bringing one to the restaurant. But as a parent, you've got to pick your fights. I'm like, hey, leave it in the car. He's like, nah. I'm like, well, yeah. Okay, alright, so when, yeah, when you bring it, let's just not throw it. And he's like, yeah, that's a good compromise, comes in. He'll do something wrong. And so he's, he broke it. He broke the fins off the end. I was like, mate, don't break it. You no, know, you can't throw it. And he looks at me and like, rips the other one off. You know, he's like, rip one off. And I'm like, hey, don't do that. Then he looks right at me and just rips the second one off, you know. And <laughs> I'm like, hey, mate, come on. I said that. And I'm like, hey, that's not cool. We've had a conversation about this. You've broken the rules. I said, come on, say sorry to dad. And then like kids like, let's say. And then the phrase comes. It's easy to say sorry. And in our, our family, we're, we're working on number three and four. But with number one and two, as soon as they hear that phrase, it's easy to say sorry. You watch them just melt because they know it's true. And they know it as a, as a married church, as a part of our family, that it should be easy to say sorry. If a part of the Mary Church family, it's easy to say sorry. How much more should it be easier as a part of God's family? That when someone offends us, that when someone crosses us, that we're able to fix it, to journey through, to redeem the process. That, my friends, it's easy to say sorry. If you're taking notes, I want to talk to you on this topic of the offended takes initiative. Talk to you this morning about, about forgiveness. And if you are taking notes, I'd love for you to uh, write these notes down if possible. I've just got a few very, very simple thoughts. That today, if you are offended, or if you have been hurt, again, think about God in the garden. If something, if someone has done something against you, let me give you a few very simple thoughts this morning. And the first thing I would say is this, is that if you are offended, it is time, my friends, to forgive. Being hurt is like being in a three-legged race. Have you ever done the... The three-legged race? Is that a Canadian thing? Yeah, sort of. Mm -hmm. Three-legged race, okay, it's self-explanatory. There are three legs in the race. This is what happens. You get a partner, there are four legs with two partners, right? So this is what you do. You tie yourself to your partner. So there are now three legs. And you have to run 100 metres. They, I don't know, there's, there's torture in New Zealand. I don't, know why we, I don't know why we come up with these games. You normally tie, maybe you put it inside like a sugar sack or you tie it up with like a, a bungee cord or, or, a, or a rope and you have to run. So now you're trying to get 100 metres down the field with someone attached to you. So then, but the timing's all out. It's the funniest race to watch. It's the worst race to be involved in. When we're hurt, when we've gone through relationship breakdowns with the parental, marriage, with our, with, our, with our family, with our close friends, at work, with our colleagues, middle management, uplines, whatever that might be, university, school. We attach ourselves through hurt in a three-legged race to the person who's, hurted us, who's hurt us. I just made up a word. To the person who's hurt us. And as a result, we're now carrying that relationship and that hurt with us through our whole life. But what forgiveness does is it severs the bonds that connects us to that person. When you forgive somebody, like my, my mum, okay, I wish you, I, I want you to meet my mum one day. Oh, she's the best. My mum just got saved about four months ago. She's amazing. It's amazing. I've been a Christian for 20 years, been praying for my mum consistently, you know, as consistently as possible. And yeah, my mum's never wanted a bar of it. Her neighbour is a Christian, has a cancerous tumour on his neck. Him and his wife jump the fence. They have a cup of tea. My mum asks questions. He begins to say, yeah, Jesus and my church and the whole story. And she looks at her husband and says, we want to come to church. She goes to church in New Zealand. The pastor of that church is a friend of mine. It sends me a text message. It says, your mum is here. I'm like, no, she's clearly not. <laughs> like I've been praying for 20 years. Isn't it, don't we do that? We pray and believe God for so long and then it happens and we don't believe it. <laughs> praying for that house, praying for that mortgage, praying for that promotion, it happens. Not, can't be, not, it's crazy. No way, there's no way. I was like, there's no way it's my mum. He's nuts. Nah, it's your mum, 100%. She said, I need a photo, send me a photo. <laughs> Get the photo, to my mum. I'm like, okay, I'll talk to you later. This is too much. She FaceTimes me, she's like, hey, beaming. She's like, hey, was that church today? Man, loved it. Goes back the next week, makes a decision for Christ. Has not missed a week, then had, a, had a, a vacation to come and see us and the family about two months ago, or thereabouts, and came to Ottawa. And had no plans, just 12 days with the family. And she's like, hey, while I'm in Ottawa, could, I, um, could you baptise me? And I was like, yeah, I will baptise you in a bathtub of my happy tears, honestly. <laughs> yes. So we go down to our local lake, local little pond where we live. And it was it was a balmy negative two, and uh, baptised my mum, and she has got the flu. <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> and her whole life has turned around. I love my mum so much because I was raised by her, because when I was two, my parents got a divorce. And my relationship with my dad was just just awkward, and strange, just kind of distant, just aloof. It just was what it was. We tried a few times to patch it up and No bad blood, but just a distant relationship. But what happens is in life is you attach yourself to that hurt. So now I don't know the story about why they broke up, why why he didn't come to visit. So now I'm on a three-legged race with my father, but it's not a positive race. We could be running next to one another and going fast and going far, but we can't do either when we're connected through hurt. But forgiveness will help you sever those ties. When you forgive somebody, um, Jensen Franklin has an incredible illustration uh, about tomato sauce, ketchup. And these days, all of ketchup, most sauces, most condiments are in plastic bottles, which I'm against, by the way. No, I'm not, I should be, but whatever. (laughs) They used to be in glass bottles. Remember the glass bottles? You know why they changed to plastic though, right? Economics aside, probably because we all got so mad trying to get the sauce out of the glass bottle that we prefer the squeezy bottle. He jumped online to Jensen Franklin and found out how to get the ketchup out of the glass bottles. Online, they teach us that, especially this one brand, I think it's Heinz, on the bottle has the logo, the bottle's about this high, and it's like a glass embossed logo. And if you turn the ketchup upside down, The ketchup doesn't fall because it needs an air bubble, right? If you tap the logo just softly, not whack the bottom, you know, not trying to use gravity to get the ketchup out. If you just tap the logo ever so slightly over a period of time, the ketchup will flow perfectly and not make a mess on your fish and chips. We don't need to squeeze it. Don't need to hammer it home. That forgiveness is just like that. That I can't forgive my father for leaving me. God, move in our relationship. It's not going to work. But if I just tap it, just over time, you watch forgiveness begin to flow in your relationships. A great way to know if there's forgiveness flowing in the relationship is just think of the person. And as you think of the person, the emotions that come up in you will show you. The heart is a scary tool. So I think of my father. So I remember 16 years old, been safe for about four years. Someone preached a sermon, maybe just like this one. And I was like, I need to forgive my dad. Dad, you know, then I'm praying, God, help me forgive my father. Uh, And then I'm like, yep, forgiveness released. Three or four years later, think about dad, don't have positive emotions. Maybe I'm still connected. Just tap the bottle and watch forgiveness flow. Maybe it took 10 years before I could have a conversation about him, see him or think about him and have positive emotions. Remembering I don't have any positive memories, but I can generate positive emotions that are authentic through relationship, uh, through forgiveness. And forgiveness helped me sever that three-legged race. So now when I talk to him, I'm interested in what, how's your race? What are you doing? What are you up to? How's family? Then he can ask the same questions for me, whereas before we were so connected through hurt, and I couldn't forgive him that the whole thing was very challenging. Let forgiveness flow. Let forgiveness flow. It's easy to say sorry. Growing up in Wellington, New Zealand, um, had a few friends. And one of my friends, his name was Sivan, Cambodian guy. Sivan was a practicing Buddhist. And he would go to the temple um, most days from school. And I would see him around the city with the Buddhist monks wearing their flowing like orange robes. And I'll see him downtown and I'll be wondering, you know, you're 15 years old, 12 years old, 13, and you see your friend with Buddhist monks downtown and you're wondering if you can, you know, <laughs> can I come and say hello? Like, is this appropriate? I'm not sure. And it was all a bit strange. And one day, Sivan went home and he, unfortunately, in the most unfortunate manner, found that his mum had been murdered on the floor in his house. He had his young brother and sister with him, saw the the body, took them out, called the police. They came and arrested the woman from next door who had taken her life because she wanted some ingredients that she was cooking for dinner. The mum said no, and she went got a knife, came back and took her life. It's one of the most horrific stories in New Zealand criminal history. My friend, Sivan, was 12. So I just found Christ. Sivan was going through this. Practicing Buddhist. And I didn't really know much about what had happened. Apart from that, he lost his mum. As a 12, 13-year-old, it's hard to process that. And I didn't know much about my new faith, apart from the fact that I had one and God was invisible and I couldn't hear him, but I knew he loved me. That was about it. And so I remember talking with Sivan and you know, having a 13-year-old boy discussion over Tony Hawk skateboarding on PlayStation 2. And kind of just bonding and just being there for him and the whole community rallied around the family. And I remember just talking about Jesus. Saying, you know what, man, like, man, Jesus is alive. He's real, he's changed my life, man. He forgave me and we started talking. And then he looked at me, put the controller down. He's like, would you pray for me? I was like, I'd love to pray for you, bro. So we prayed a 13-year-old boy prayer, you know, lasted about five seconds. (laughs) I invited him to church. He made a decision to follow Christ. He then was baptised, which meant that he was then um, isolated from his family even further, which made the whole thing a little bit more tricky. Baptised him. The woman who took the the life of his mum went to prison. 10 years later, this woman was out on parole and the media came looking for Sivan. And they said, Sivan, have you got any comments about the fact that this woman had been released? And he wasn't really, he didn't really, he wasn't really aware of what was going on in the justice system. All he knew was that, the woman had been arrested and she was in jail, but she'd been released. And they said, what do you think about this? What do you think about? And they wanted to make a political statement and corrections and all of these kind of things. And he, he's, at that stage, he's in his early 20s. He's been walking with Christ. He's just got married and he, time would tell he's about to have three beautiful girls. And he's there and he says, oh, look, I don't know. And they start pressing him for questions, pressing him for answers. He says, look, all I know is this. My God forgave me. He gave me a second chance. And as much as this whole thing is difficult for me, I know that that same God can give this woman a second chance as well. I mean, if if you've never heard a story of forgiveness, that might be the greatest story you might hear. That this man, over the period of 10 years, was just tapping away. That he could get to the point where someone would put a microphone or a pen in his face and ask a question, what do you think about this woman? What do you think about this whole process? And he would say, and God will forgive her like he forgave me. That he used that moment to tell the press about Jesus. Come on, if you believe that, you can give him some praise this morning. The power of forgiveness. Forgiving is one part. But if you're taking notes this morning, let me just make it just a little bit more difficult for you if it wasn't already. To forgive, I think, is step number one. But step number two is a little bit, little bit more challenging. To forgive, and number two this morning, if you're taking notes, is to forget. Because the offended takes the initiative. Isaiah 53 verse 25 says this, I, even I, who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, will not... Remember your sins, or another translation says, I will remember your sins no more. This is a verse that's actually in the Old Testament three times. I don't know if you still use Microsoft Word, let's assume you do. In Microsoft Word, you can bold, italicize, and underline any word. Is this not the bolded, italicized, and underlined scripture in the Old Testament where God is saying, I'll not only will I forgive you, but I'll remember your sins no more. Remember what the Old Testament said about your sins? It would say things like this. What about our sins? It would say, I will throw your sins into the depths of the ocean. Like in, for, the, for the readers of the scripture at that time, there was no further place that you could go than the depths of the ocean. Or, or it would say, I will throw your sins to the ends of the earth. Or, or it would say, like the east to the west, which is a never ending distance, I'll remove your sins from you. Like he's saying, I'll just get, it. Hey, all your sins? You come to me in repentance? Ah, oh, don't worry about that. Uh, it could imagine, you know, if it's the ends of the earth, you're walking through the desert and then you're tripping over people's forgiven sins. Like what's this big pile of forgiven sin here, you know? Let's bury that. But he then says, I'll remember it no more. That's a challenge. I'm married. I remember The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, keep no record of wrongs. That is a hard scripture. Because I remember when I tell Nadia, could you please reverse up the driveway so that it's easy to get out in the morning, brush the snow off. There's a couple of things I'd like for you to just maybe just improve on just a tad, just a little, if I could just, if I could, if I could just suggest a couple of things. And then she doesn't do them think I'm going to forget about that? (laughs) That Nadia might say to me, one of the things that really, just really, be in her bonnet, is when I don't properly wipe the bench. You know when you just like, you clear the dishes, stack the dishwasher and you give the bench a little, like a dusting. I mean from my man goggles (laughs) it looks perfectly fine. And more than reusable. And she'll come in and say, honey, yeah? Would you mind coming, to give the bench a wipe? And, but this is what I'm thinking. You, I mean, you're closer. I mean, that's just, where, and I'm, where are you? She's like, in the kitchen. Are you by the bench? Yep, Could, would you mind? And then silence. But the offended takes the initiative. then I'll get up and she's like well the the thing is this is that I'm trying to just emphasize a point here you don't know how to effectively wipe the bench down so let me show you see this right in the corners see that there right through there right there and then I'll say this I'm not sure what Bible you're reading my Bible says this, love keeps no record of wrongs. <laughs> love keeps no record of wrongs. How many times have you wronged God? Yet he says, I'll oh, remember your sins no more. See, it's one thing to forgive, to sever the tires of that three-legged race. It's a whole nother thing. To then forget. One of the movies I can't stand. Can't stand it. You know really successful films that you can't stand? Oh my gosh. That number one for me, frozen. Oh really? With two daughters, it's on all the time. Then they brought out a sequel. Money maker, how dare you? Disney owns everything. Probably own the land we're standing on today. No, they don't. But Frozen had a song that topped the charts for months. Let it go. <laughs> they're, they're so, I can't. <laughs> We've got some Frozen lovers over here. There's a guy in our church, his name is Chris. Great guy, Chris. Uh, he's got this funny way of communicating where we'll talk, we'll hang out, have a coffee and uh, you know, he'll do something nice. He might buy the coffee. He's like, no, I've got you know, get in there quick with the, with the pay wave. I'm like, oh, come on, man. He's like, nah. And he and he, he would do that, he'd do that self-effacing generosity, which I love. He'd be like, God, forget about it, man. I was like, no, thanks. He goes, don't worry about it. Now I just want to thank you. No, 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 honestly. Just don't, pretend it never happened. And every time he does something nice, that's the way he goes about it. You know people like this. I oh, don't worry about it. Don't mention it. Hey, thanks so much. For, no, no, honestly, it's fine. Hey, you, you know, my kid ran off through the 4 You grade. Don't worry about it. No, I'm, I was worried about it. But that's God. He's don't worry about it. God, thank you for forgiving me. Oh God, I'm so blessed. I have a relationship with you. You forgave me. I I don't know what I would be doing without you. People used to say, oh man, if I didn't have Jesus, I'd be be, um, lying dead in a ditch. People used to say that. I don't know if I would be lying in a ditch without Jesus. I think I would be a global corporate CEO conglomerate, multi-billionaire but the worst person you would ever meet. That's what I think. Because I don't think that without Jesus, I wouldn't have drive. I'm still a choleric. But I think without Jesus, I wouldn't have values. And I wouldn't be centered. And I thank Him for that. That He's given me purpose. And He's given me a cause. But then God's like, let do not worry about it. No, no, no. You took my sins. Like the way that I treat my family and myself. And the way that I do this and that. And that, and that you know, don't worry about it. That's all good. We're good. We're family. We're tight. We're straight. Don't worry about it. And I love you. No, forget about it. Don't mention it. No, no, thank you for forgiving my sins. What sins? You ever had that? You keep coming back? God, so sorry. We carry out, this is what we do. We come to the cross with sin. God, forgive me. Now it's forgiven sin. Okay, huge difference. Huge difference. And then you know what we do? Appreciate it. I used to struggle with this, and you forgave me. Thank you so much. And he's like, with what? Forgot about it, don't worry about it. Why do you keep reminding me? Leave it at the foot of the cross. His shoulders are more than capable of carrying the burden of your sins. To forgive, to forget, amen. And if you're taking notes, the last thing I'd say is this, is to frame a conversation. Forgive, forget, and frame a conversation. Um, Nadia and I do a lot of pre-marriage counseling. Oh, We we did a lot. I've probably done, I don't know, 20 to 30 weddings in my time. And we've done a few weddings now uh, in Canada. And it's an amazing opportunity to help shape the values of a new couple. It's a tremendous honor. And conflict resolution, I must admit, has to be one of the the, the cornerstones of any good pre-marriage counselling that I've done. Talk about money, talk about sex, all of those things important. But if the cornerstone is not that you can have a conversation about any of those things, then, then really the whole thing can be lost. And teaching people to be able to talk, to be able to say, hey, this is where I'm at. Hey, when you did this, that really impacted me. Hey, you know, uh, do you mind if we have a conversation about something the other day? Um, with the kids, you know, again, 11, 9, 4, and 2, Jovi's, Jovi's super cute, man. And she's got a, maybe she's got like a dozen words. And then, and then Hugo, you know, he's, he's in full immersion, uh, French, so he's, he's singing songs in French. We think he's, I don't know what he's saying. And I was like, come on, man, what is, use your words, you know? And then Mika, who's also in full immersion, is like, Dad, he's speaking French. I was like, oh, sorry, man, <laughs> you know, like, keep speaking French, teach me, you know? Sorry. But as they grow, you use this phrase. I don't know about you, but I've used this phrase with all four of the, of the kids. Three words. Use your words. Because kids are so emotional. Two girls, two boys. Got, got both spectrums. Two introverts, two extroverts. Both spectrums. So kids are running wild doing stuff. Little animals, you know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, they're not. And then they'll be like, hey, come here. And you get down to the level. Come on, use your words. What are you trying to say? And then begin a conversation. Oh, of course I can help you with fixing your lego. Of course we can find your doll. Of course I can help you with the home. Yeah, I can help you with sketching. No, oh, kids at school saying that, don't worry about that. Use, but use your words can get us to a conclusion. When it comes to our relationships with one another, use your words. If you're forgiven, brilliant. Brilliant, that's the start. And that's where God really works. That's a spiritual action. To forget is a biological one, isn't it? I don't really necessarily need God to forget, but that's where I really come in. That's the partnership with me and God. But then to frame a conversation, that can be the hardest part. And I'm not talking about those random post-church conversations. Hey, just so you know, I've been offended with you for about a decade, but I forgave you, it's all good, don't worry about it. (laughs) Oh, I can't stand those. I was at Loblaws the other day. And I was carrying, Nadia was away, and I was carrying two boxes of 48-pack diapers. And I had one of the kids with me. And I'm walking through Loblaws. You know, I get lost in Loblaws. No clocks, no easily available exits. They want to keep you there. And so I'm like trying to figure out how to get out. And she's like, I see you use single-use diapers. And I was like, "This just this random lady. And I was like, yep, looks like I do, you know. And she goes, did you know they're the number one cause of waste on the planet that we live today? And then walked, and then walked off. And I was like, oh, it made me so happy <laughs> to have an opportunity to forgive. A monologue where you dump your thoughts is not a conversation. I wanted her to come back because diapers are not the number one waste. Industrial waste, in fact, is the number one waste. I want to have a conversation, but she didn't want to hear it. So you want to dump and run? That's not how you have a good conversation. Once you're forgiven, once you are forgotten, then you can then engage in framing a conversation. Hey, can I buy you dinner? Can I grab you coffee? When it comes to our relationship with God, friends, that's prayer. Where we begin to understand the goodness of what God has done for us, and we frame a conversation with Him, that's prayer. And friends, if you're here today and, and you've come with a friend or heard about what was happening and come through, or maybe you're here today and you're not walking with God, framing a conversation with Him can be quite daunting. But let me tell you, if a 12-year-old boy from New Zealand can frame a prayer that appropriately changed his life for the next 20 years, every good decision I've ever made came back to that moment, then let me tell you that a heartfelt prayer to God can change your whole life. If you believe in your heart, the Bible says, and confess with your mouth in the book of Romans that Jesus is Lord and God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So friends, if you're here and you've today and over the period of the last days, weeks and months started to believe or a friend, if you've had some unbelief but you want to get rid of that and come back to belief, then today let's frame a conversation with God. Can I pray with you today? Would you mind closing your eyes if that's okay? Just for privacy's sake. You hear you saying, I need Jesus. I'm distant from Him. I don't know God. I'm... I've never had a relationship with Him before. never prayed this prayer. Friend, I would love to pray this very simple prayer with you today. This is what we we'll are do on the count of three. If you want to pray a very simple prayer to get your life right with God today, from the front to back and side to side, I'll count to three. As I get to three, I just want you to throw your hand up in the air nice and high. As you raise your hand, I'll see it and acknowledge it. Then I'll ask you to put it down. But if that is you on the count of three, and you need Jesus, throw up your hand on three. One, two, three. Three. Friend, if that's you, lift it nice and high. Yeah, brilliant, thank you. Yeah, really great, over here. You can put your hand down, thank you so much. Yeah, wonderful. Now that I've seen it, yeah, great. Yeah, wonderful, over here, thank you. Others, you're saying, I need Jesus. Yeah, down here, you can put your hand down now that I've seen it, thank you. You're saying, I need Jesus here today. And if that's you right now, throw it up if you haven't already. If you haven't lifted up your hand already, lift it so that I can see it right now. Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna pray this prayer this morning, all of us. Very simple prayer, I'll lead us. I'll say one line and I want every person in the room to repeat it out back to me. And for those that raise their hand, pray this prayer from your heart. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I ask you, forgive me of my sin. And I thank you that you do. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can open your eyes. And as I hand back, could you give all of these people a huge big round of applause today? Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at City Church GTA. Thanks again for joining us.